0: Section 5 of the Testaments of John Davidson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Sean Kilpatrick. The Testament of John Davidson. Dedication to the peers temporal of the United Kingdoms of Great Britain and Ireland. My lords, I address you because having each of you inherited or accepted a title which you share duke or marquis earl or viscount with the creator of the universe the common title of lord you are not to be supposed incapable of greatness and i invite you to read this book the prologue to a literature that is to be a literature which i have already begun in my testaments and tragedies believing that you at least will recognize integrity of thought and integrity of imagination however unexpected the form and substance of these may be i have to tell you also that it is still christendom in england the old effete economic world of christendom for centuries a dull evolution by degeneration arrived now at the barracks of the salvation army and a no government by agitation christendom ascendant to the heyday of the papacy decadent ever since this decadence of christendom mirrored in its own fancy as a virtuousness of democracy of progress of improvement of the species should be best known to you my lords in the atrophy of your function in the state and the loss of individual prestige many generations have come and gone since you were the great baronage of england extorting rights granting or refusing subsidies making and unmaking kings yes you remain after the monarch and as in the case of the monarch by reason of permanence a most effective estate of the realm your unacknowledged veto being our main bulwark against the anarchy of the franchise it must be a source of intolerable chagrin and of intolerable mortification to your lordships to behold the destinies of england and of the empire at the mercy of the feeblest minds in these islands at the mercy of the few thousand feather-brained taxpayers the vibration of whose vote determines the result of every general election I trust that your chagrin and mortification are indeed intolerable chagrin and mortification being in all ages a root and fount of greatness in life in polity in art in war and i trust that your resolution to transmute these emotions into action will appear in the development of some power of initiative centered in your house and entirely uninfluenced by the veering flaw of popular opinion which has hitherto been of the very essence of that phantasm the british constitution my lords we want great men to govern the kingdoms and the empire we want government we have it not if we were governed there would be no irish question no labour question no franchise question the demands of women the demands of the irish the demands of labor. To me, all that is heinous in the last degree. I demand a house of peers able to say to women, to the Irish, to labor, we are not here to consider your demands. What we have to do is to enforce our requirements, which are the requirements of the kingdoms and of the empire with you our good folk of ireland we have the utmost sympathy an unconquerable race you had the terrible misfortune to be brought under the government of a people who destroyed your power of armed resistance but never vanquished you a terrible misfortune yet not an irredeemable one rather a misfortune pregnant with hope you are unconquered you are still the irish nation and we desire you to be more and more the irish nation but our own initiatory power and without reference to the house of commons whose slow machinery and emasculating compromise spoil all its legislature we intend to grant a degree of autonomy to the various parts of the kingdoms to the welsh to the english to the highlands of scotland and to the lowlands and in the case of ireland to the four historical divisions of the country to ulster Leinster, connaught and munster independently certainly each division to be independent of the other in the measure of home rule accorded that is not what you want unfair to ireland the prosperous ulster ah the important part of ulster is not nationalist you would have your ulster question as we have our irish question were your nationalist majority to attempt the control of the loyal minority but you particularly desire the control of ulster frankly you will be satisfied with nothing short of an independent parliament you are a witty race governed by a dull one and we lose patience now england wishes you to be national as the welsh are national as the scots are national but in your relations to the other british kingdoms to the empire and to the world england requires you to be english as the welsh are english as the scots are english the welsh and the scots having accepted england and the meaning of england remain magnanimous the irish Having refused England and the great meaning of England, are less fortunate. To live with England, and yet to decline the destiny of England, is to be unfortunate indeed. And as regards the supposed racial incompatibility, we assure you we do not think you a witty people at all. The English have the will. You are an amusing people, a comical people, which is a very different thing we like you and intend nothing but your best interests we recommend you heartily to cease thinking of demands on england and of what england should do for ireland set yourselves rather to study and understand what england requires of you and what you should do for england remember in the meantime that the irish question is unfortunately solving itself your population has decreased in recent years at a rate that will if it continues put a speedy and final stop to the irish question for lack of irish questioners and hark sirs a last word get rid of your priests be done with other world for you our working men we have profound regard but we are somewhat tired of your labour question already one of your demands is being attended to your old age pension is assured but men we beg you to note that your old age pension is your heaviest handicap in the competition for power and wealth in the failures and defeats of life which none escape even the gallantest among you will be tempted to give in and will sometimes give in now that dens of starvation or the horror of the poorhouse no longer await poverty at the journey's end we question very much if it would not be more humane as it would certainly be greater to inflict a dire penalty on failure instead of awarding it a pension but you want to have done with competition you want everything socialized we decline to listen to a word of that the members of this house are proprietors of much of the soil much of the means of production much of the capital of these kingdoms they are not going to sit with folded hands and see their lands and factories voted away civil war lies across the path of that attempt but what are you to do if there is no scope for your energies at home do as your fathers did in all ages hive off acquire lands and factories of your own we have made room for you ample room but you want to be great you have heard of the overman and would transcend humanity do not be misled by any speciousness of that kind let us understand this of the overman ubermensch a word of goethe's of the young goethe's having a pre-darwinian half-meaning was interpreted in an evolutionary sense by nietzsche and received its european vogue from him when the misapprehension of ibsen in england gave place to a misapprehension of nietzsche celtic panics both of these not english at all the english care nothing for either ibsen or nietzsche your absurd neologism over man was accepted by the panic-stricken as an index of evolution in humanity but not by the english you must remember that nietzsche fugleman in this business was a pole the poles being the celts of eastern europe an inferior race unable to conquer and unable to be conquered the idea of a higher type of man than they is natural to them but such an idea could never occur to an englishman the englishman is the overman and the history of england is the history of his evolution you think we are unjust to nietzsche the most powerful mind in recent times we admit the power a shattering mind that never spared itself but an extraordinary individual may spring from any source napoleon was a corsican the smallness the much meanness of napoleon was racial the blood of the pygmies ran in the veins of the giant and thus it is that napoleon appears monstrous rather than great nietzsche's notion of beyond man was not of the individual it came of the inferiority of the stock but why should the english working man trouble himself about nietzsche have you never heard of burns go to sharpen your tools square your shoulders to the work eat and drink lustily love your wives and children and read the jolly beggars and as for you the women of england who desire political equality with men what is to be said do you know what has happened in the world in the matter of women it is this woman question that betrays most definitely the decadence, the disintegration of Christendom. Do you know that hitherto woman either as the legitimate or illegitimate minion of man has ruled the world part and parcel of his goods and chattels you developed the finest intellectual capacity ruse stratagem chicanery the simplest and therefore the subtlest artifice in your whole armoury being the expert touch of the helmsman's hand which while it seemed only to stroke and caress was all the time steering the world you are tired of hearing that you want direct representation we shall come to the franchise but we must ask you to consider very importantly the stupendous change long elaborated in silence the quiet crumbling and decomposition of society of which your militant campaign is the sudden sound and sign the history of the past is the history of the regiment of women man having made women an offspring his private property became as their provider the virtual slave of his wife and children and on that account and during the many centuries of the intellectual development of woman man continued to grow in instinct and in all human qualities that is to say in intelligence and experience what do we mean by such sophistry it is not sophistical There is a vast distinction and a difference between intellect and intelligence. It is hitherto the difference between men and women. Intellect is of the nerve and of the brain, but intelligence is more of the blood, passion, instinct, genius. It was the intelligence of man that developed his ideas of justice, of right and wrong, of truth and falsehood, and created a moral order of the universe to be the nest for his wife and family that transmuted the base metal of desire into a golden miracle invented the divine mystery of maternal love a most masculine invention and imposed upon himself under the unperceived tyranny of women the semi celibate life of the monogamist you cannot make us out do you mean that women are superior to men intellectually we do but even so there have been instances of men able to hold their own intellectually with women and indeed man's rudimentary intellect is only a few marks lower in capacity than that of woman trained and strengthened edged and pointed by millenniums of constant exercise in the art of changing in every circumstance her nominal and apparent subordination into an actual and rational dominion We state it paradoxically, but is there some truth in it? We are glad you admit that. From beginning to end, the automatic subtlety in the matter was so exquisite that man conceived himself the lord of creation, and woman felt that she was only a minor consideration, in the universal order, little better than an evil thing necessary for the continuance of the race. But you're going to change all that. It has been very much changed already. We came to an end of that, indeed, when the French Revolution plunged the world and its ideas into the crucible the beginning of the end that is for almost all those ideas which seemed at the time annihilated reappeared from the furnace changed but not transformed the destructive distillation of marriage into some new compound but only a distillation as of sea-water into fresh water marriage remained but it had lost the rich salt and savour of sanctity no longer necessarily a sacrament surrounded with glories and terrors it became and becomes more and more a merely economical arrangement terminable under various disguises on economical ground back from the crucible came also the idea of property the only philosopher's stone that ever did change anything into gold much cracked and buckled by the fire this talisman still retained its identity and some of its magic virtue but its most potent witchcraft had departed man was no longer to have any property in man not even in his wife and family what about votes for women we shall come to that but we are determined first of all to let you know what has happened to you the increasing impotence of these two charms the amulet of marriage and the talisman of property began the change which is now rapidly determining the new orientation of man and woman and if this philosopher's stone of property is pulverized and scattered on the wind never again to be reintegrated then will the last phylactery of marriage be burned away to everlasting tinder when men have no lands and money to bequeath a son of their own blood will be of no consequence you see how far the decadence is gone how deep the corruption of christendom is how entire the dissolution of our complex society you are on the verge of a reversion to a community of goods and men some condition of things in which the old tribal systems of polyandry and polygyny never entirely superseded will coalesce and become universal. What are we going to do about votes for women? Something rigorous. In the meantime, we beg you to notice that by this loosening of the bonds of property, woman is already free to do as she chooses and obtain what she can. Having abdicated unwittingly, you had and have no conception of what you are doing. Having abdicated, the uncrowned sovereignty of the world, you enter the arena with man and find yourself with your wonderfully evolved intellect at least his equal. With great liberty and rejoicing, you turn into the broadway of intelligence and experience, and with the sweetest arrogance imaginable, you say to the clerk, the merchant, the physician, the lawyer, the politician, i wish to work side by side with you we shall march together in elysium not knowing that the true expression of your action is otoidila que de mette and that particular way to the elysium no one ever reaches is a descending road through every kind of hell to absolute perdition you deny that and all your leaders and social reformers everywhere insist that it is not a case of toi de la you will find it is if the disruption of society continues so far as it has gone you bat bowl and field your best while we with our undeveloped intellects, stand about awkwardly and play the game with a broomstick in the left hand but if the game were to become serious if it is ceased to be a game played in examination halls and in pantomime scuffles with the constable were it to change into the actual battle of life along the whole line what would happen votes for women this would happen man with an intellect in its undeveloped state only a little lower than the perfected instrument of woman would set about the evolution of a masculine subtlety a keenness of ruse a fathomlessness of chicanery an undetectable stratagem beyond the imagination of the craftiest maitresse femme and long before woman had begun to realize that the battle was lost in the nature of things she would find herself at the opponent's mercy disarmed and powerless when woman ruled the world man in most things her slave worshipped her sedulously built up his moral order of the universe for the safety of her and her children reared a heaven for her and her friends dug the pit of hell for her foes and blasphemers if upon her abdication challenge and defeat woman becomes the slave of man and a reorientation of the sexes is perfected then we shall have indeed a new order of things and in the place of home we shall see what shelter woman will provide what substitute for man's heroic spiritualization of passion what of worth and worship for the divinity of motherhood all that goes in at one ear and out at the other give you votes and you can take care of yourselves you are under the strongest of all delusions the idea of representative government of government by vote England, the true England, has long suspected representative government to be the sheerest phantasm. We, the peers of England, have always recognized its shadowy, tentative nature, and we propose, wielding our new initiative, to stem the forces of social evolution by degeneration which England, intending something very different, was the first to set free. Hitherto, the franchise has had a merely economic foundation and the more temperate among you ask for no more than men have a property qualification that we will not give you because we intend to introduce an entirely new principle to place the franchise upon a moral as well as upon an economic basis we propose to limit the male vote to married men who are householders and to extend the franchise to married women who are the mothers of at least three children you may exclaim but we know what we are about class and mass in this generation have eaten greedily of the modern tree of the knowledge of good and evil and there will be no children teeth to set on edge unless some stringent measure is taken what you want to be mothers or not as you choose men will never allow that do not dream of it masculine control of offspring is of the very form and substance of life votes for women we invite you to reconsider the whole matter votes for women votes for women there is remedy for the terrible lot of some of your sisters in sweated industries and for such artificial disabilities as may impede your true advancement without your becoming active politicians you votes for women votes for women votes for women my lords in the above interview which i have imagined for you i have shown you the litter and broken bits of a shattered society the debris and wreckage of christendom clamoring to be put together again after a pattern of its own is there any political secatine, stick fast or fish glue equal to it i think not when the dilapidators have begun upon a house it is best to let them go through with it and build again from a new foundation for my own part i have come out of it all and have found another abode for my mind and imagination not in any symbol of the universe which christendom was but in the universe itself how shall i say it how shall i get this thing said to you briefly and in prose i am persuaded that the thing i have to tell is for you of all classes you are raised above the rank and file accustomed to greatness and able at once to grasp a great idea briefly then and without more preamble my lords there is no other world there never was anything that man has meant by other world neither spirit nor mystical behind the veil nothing not ourselves that makes for righteousness no metaphysical abstraction time is a juggler's trick of the sun and moon there is only matter which is the infinite which is space which is eternity which we are in the beginning matter had only one form that of the oblivious omnisolvent imponderable ether the principal constituents of matter that is to say of eternity of the infinite are carbon hydrogen oxygen and nitrogen but these with the other elements consist of lightning the first emergence of the ponderable from the imponderable lightning with its poles or sexes essence at once and seed and yeast secreted in drops or cells or electrons the first limitation of matter and began the fermentation in the eternal ether which was not to cease until the appearance of the visible universe no sooner had the drops or cells or electrons sprung from the tension of the dark oblivious omnipotent ether in eddying vortices that they sought an equilibrium and combined themselves into groups each group consisting of an array of negative and positive electrons neutralizing each other and revolving about a common centre like a miniature solar system and this is the evolution of the atom in each individual atom tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of cubic miles of the primal substance which in its tenuous imponderable form fills space are constringed into the ponderable garnered up and packed away every atom is thus a repository of the material of eternity and the fountain of all force physical mental imaginative these microscopic systems of electrons whirled into vast swarms forming nebulae and one of the smallest of many million million nebulae resolved itself into our solar system within the nebulae or after when the planets had been flung off to circle round the sun from the primal atom by process of chemical selection all other atoms were evolved and these assemblies of electrons themselves combined in molecules gave form and stability to the various elements gaseous metalloid or metallic by an advanced process of chemical selection carbon hydrogen nitrogen and oxygen were chosen out to be the basis of all life and life through geologic periods of natural selection arrived at men and women in whom are enshrined the two poles of sexes of the light thing the earliest nisus of matter towards self-consciousness matter now capable in us of the highest ecstasy and of all knowledge thus i break the world out of the imaginary chrysalis or cocoon of other world in which it has slumbered so long and man beholds himself not now as that fabulous monster half god half devil of the christian era but as man the very form and substance of the universe the material of eternity eternity itself become conscious and self-conscious this is the greatest thing told since the world began it means an end of the strangling past an end of our conceptions of humanity and divinity of our ideas of good and evil of our religion our literature our art our polity it means that which all men have desired in all ages it means a new beginning it means that The material forces of mind and imagination can now re-establish the world as if nothing had ever been thought or imagined before it means that there is nothing greater than man anywhere it means infinite terror infinite greatness and that is the meaning of me and of my testaments and tragedies and of this testament which i have placed between a poem of the dawn of life and a poem of its close which i commend to your lordship's notice as my most original presentation of the thing i have to tell i am my lord's most faithfully yours john davidson prologue honeymoon i awaken at dawn and your head on the pillow beside me lies and i wonder although we were wed such an infinite fortnight ago have the planets stood still in the sky since my sweetheart and I were wed? Since first I awoke, and lo, on the pillow beside me her head, through our window, the wind forspent, marauder in garth and wild, his opulent burden of scent unloads, lest he faint by the way, for the flowers, they were subtly beguiled, and their dewdrops and manifold scent perfume now the crimsoning day on the wings of the wind forspent. And i look at your face till my thought of you pierces your sleep till your silken lashes unlace and your blossom-like lids upheave till your eyes emerge from the deep as your riven lashes unlace and morn and awakening weave the wonder and joy in your face then your memory quickens and bids a blush and happy sigh and the lift of your azure lids a concord of colour and sound and there dawns in your violet eye when you open your flower-like lids a thought from the depths profound as an exquisite memory bids and this is your twentieth year and your bridegroom is twenty-one and our thoughts are as fragrant and clear as the lucent splendour of noon my love is as rich as the sun and your love is as tender and clear as the lily-light of the moon in the sweetest month of the year at once when we waken we rise for the earth is as fresh as our thought in the heaven-high dome of the skies a miracle constantly new a marvel diurnally wrought the earth with its seas and its skies its flowers and its matinal dew awaits us as soon as we rise Through the woodland and over the lee, that dips to a golden strand, like fugitives seeking the sea, we haste in our morning mood. Together, and hand in hand, we hurry to reach the sea, through the purple shade of the wood and over the spangled lee. In our boat, on the swell of the tide, we steer for the heart of morn. And I say to you, sweet in my bride, should hope be forever undone? Should destiny leave us forlorn? Thus, thus shall we journey, my bride, right into the heart of the sun, on the morning or evening tide could we harbor with sorrow and care and friendless in punery lost remain at the beck of despair like prisoners of impotent folk could we chafer and reckon the cost and measure out love till despair subdued us bereft to a yoke in harness with sorrow and care oh not while the morning is crowned and the evening wise roses and gold because like adventurers bound for a kingdom their faith could create in a future of beauty untold like hazardous mariners bound from the haven and wharf of fate on a voyage with happiness crowned in our boat when the day is done on the lift of the evening tide i should steer for the heart of the sun and sigh with my ebbing breath be resolute sweet and my bride we shall sink with the setting sun and shelter our love in death since our beautiful day is done but now while our hearts beat high with youth and unfolding delight and the honeymoon in the sky at her zenith usurps the rain of the day as well as the night with the honeymoon in the sky we steer for the shore again while our bosoms with hope beat high through the tasseled oats and the wheat we march to the skylark's song where the roses pallid and sweet and delicate pomp parade the precinct the wild bees throng, Where the winding byways, sweet with scent of the roses wade through the flowing tide of the wheat. O oh, hark from the meadows, O oh, hear the burden the mower sings, The past how it hovers near, This utmost isle of the sea, Where the stone on the sickle rings, The shadowy past draws near, And the spirit of Eld set free, Revives in the song we hear. End of section five of the Testaments of John Davidson.